Hey, everyone, and welcome to the New Way to Live podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Moore. I want to welcome you today. I'm excited to be here, and I'm ready for Christmas. I don't know if you guys are, but I love Christmas, just for a lot of reasons. Obviously, first and foremost, it's the birth of Jesus. Um, birthday. And so I love Christmas for that reason. And I try to remember, you know, that Jesus really is the reason for the season. And I like it for a lot of other different reasons. I love to spend time with our family and um, to cook with my mom and my sisters and my husband. I like to make all of the pies, all the pies. I like to make apple pie and pumpkin pie. And sometimes they turn out and sometimes they don't. Um, and so there's that. And of course, I love to see um, our daughter's excitement on Christmas. So I'm pretty excited. I also really like Christmas lights. I don't know if you guys do, but I like to drive around and look at the Christmas lights. And I want to tell you, so obviously today is the, we're growing in fearlessness. So we're continuing that. We're on part two. And speaking of that, I climbed up on my roof yesterday and I put Christmas lights up by myself. And I feel really accomplished because I'm not super comfortable with heights and our house is kind of high up, but I prayed about it and I conquered that fear yesterday and my house looks good. So um, be encouraged. If you need to get on your roof, be safe and get on your roof and do your lights. Okay, let's get into it. So last episode, we talked, we began our discussion on growing in fearlessness And we talked about a lot of things. I'm going to recap it briefly. But if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen. So first, we defined fear. We established that fear isn't normal in the life of a believer. And we started in on 2 Timothy 1.7, where we begin to understand that fear is a spirit and that God didn't give us that spirit. Paul talked with Timothy also about fanning the gifts that he was given, about fanning his own faith instead of relying on his lineage of faith that he received from his mom and his grandma. And we talked a lot about fanning that flame. We likened it to the um, heat, fuel, and oxygen triangle um, for fire. And what we discussed was that what you put your attention on is like oxygen to a fire. What you put your attention on causes it to grow. And that includes fear thoughts. We know that the devil uses fear as a strategy and that you can fan those suggestions from him and that that will grow. Or you can fan the flame of right thinking, of faith, of trust, of peace, and that will grow. So how do we begin getting that right thinking in and and fanning that flame? We need to grow in revelation of who we are in Christ and understand what belongs to us in Christ. And that comes from being in the word and hearing messages based on the Bible. So in this episode, I want to help you grow in Revelation where fear is concerned. I don't want us to be fear-minded, but I think it's important to recognize fear for what it is. And it's really important to get to the bottom of fear, to get to the root. And, you know, as I think about the root, I'm just reminded that the root of fear we will always find comes from the devil. No matter what it is, the devil started it in some way. And... I find that confronting that fear with the truth is the best way to move forward free from fear. We don't overcome fear by just trying to to not fear, but by understanding the actual truth and not just in our heads, but also in our hearts. So you really can't fight fear in your head. You fight it with the word of God by faith. And in 1 Timothy 6.12, 
we are called to fight the good fight of faith. The Amplified Bible says, fight the good fight of faith in the conflict with evil. So fear is evil. It's from the devil. This tells us that there is a fight with evil, but we don't fight it like the world does. We fight this fight by faith, and it's a good fight, meaning it's a winning fight in our favor. It doesn't say fight the bad fight of faith or the hard fight of faith. Paul calls it a good fight of faith. So today, as we go through some different types of fear, and that's what we're going to do, I just want to talk briefly about those types of fear, and then I want to leave you with something that you can attach your faith to, a faith thought or a right thought, a true word, the scripture that is God's word. And so we're going to talk about a few different types of fear, and this is not going to be all-encompassing, but as I pull this together, these are the types that the Holy Spirit gave me to speak about. So I want to talk about first that there is good fear and there is bad fear. What could be a good fear? Good fear would be fear of the Lord. And I don't think that this means what many people think that it means. We don't have to fear the Lord as in be afraid of him. Deuteronomy 10.12 tells us what the definition of the fear of the Lord is. It says, And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require from you but to fear and worship the Lord your God with awe-filled reverence and profound respect? To walk, that is, to live each and every day in all his ways and to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, your choices, your thoughts, your whole being, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. So when we fear the Lord... We have an awe-filled reverence and profound respect for him. We care that we glorify him. We walk or live each day in his ways. And he wants our lives to be transformed. You know, he's really given us this new way to live. So we walk or live each day in that new way. When we fear the Lord, we love him. We serve him with all of our heart and soul, which includes our choices and our thoughts and our whole being. And we keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, statutes, which God commanded for our good. And I want to talk a little bit about this last point. This was said right after God had given the second set of the Ten Commandments on tablets. And we're not talking about an iPad. We're talking about the stone tablets. So what we know about this is that this is Old Testament before the new covenant of grace through Jesus. So we're not, we're not under the law anymore that was given through Moses, but we're under the grace covenant through Jesus. However, the Ten Commandments were given to the benefit of Israel. It wasn't um, all the Ten Commandments. Yeah, they were meant to benefit the children of Israel. And we see that in Deuteronomy 6, 24 through 25, which says, So the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to the fear and worship, to fear and worship the Lord our God with awe-filled reverence and profound respect for our good always. And so that he might preserve us alive as it is today, it will be considered righteousness for us that that is right standing with God if we are careful to observe all this command, these commandments before the Lord, our God, just as he has commanded us. So we see that the commandments are good and they preserve and um, keep people alive. But also the law was fulfilled by Jesus, meaning he never, ever broke it. And he bore the punishment for breaking it on our behalf. And because of this, there isn't a license to sin for us or an excuse to sin. But there's a heart change in us that makes us not want to steal or misuse the name of God or to dishonor our father and mother. When we're in relationship with Jesus and we understand that because of Jesus, we're made right with God. 
we desire to turn our backs on sin because God loved us first and therefore we love him and in turn because we respect him and we revere him and we want our lives to reflect that and glorify him. You know, and whatever the Lord commands, we want to do because it's always for our good. He's never going to have you do something that isn't good for you. So when he says, your next podcast episode isn't ready and I want you to wait and redo it, I don't see that anywhere in the Ten Commandments, but I know he told me what to do and I want to honor him. So I don't release the podcast. Instead, I go and redo it until it's ready. So there's also a bad fear of the Lord. And I think this is an important one because it's something that can hold people in bondage and prevent them from growing in a satisfying and robust relationship with the Lord. I'm talking in particular about condemnation. So there's condemnation and there's conviction, and you might be familiar with the two, but there's a difference between feeling convicted and feeling condemned. Conviction is hopeful. Godly conviction or conviction by the Holy Spirit is clear and it's actionable. There's a clear path out and it's done from a place of love. There is acceptance, not of the behavior, but of you. In conviction, there's not guilt or shame or fear of punishment or judgment. Just acceptance of you as a person, but a desire also for that behavior to change. In conviction, there's a wonderful and beautiful opportunity to turn to Christ, to receive help and forgiveness, love and grace. Condemnation, on the other hand, is hopeless. It's from the devil and it's a strategy to get in between us and God, to make us feel like there's something so wrong with us that we couldn't possibly be loved and accepted by God. Condemnation involves fear of punishment, guilt, judgment, shame, the fear of not being good enough. You know, there is that fear of punishment by God or guilt when thinking about behavior because, you know, God sees it. <laughs> fear of judgment by God, that there isn't a way to make that wrong right. And shame. The devil will try to get you to feel shame about who you are, and he'll try to imply, you know, maybe what that behavior says about you as a person. So I think these, it's really important to understand these because God will convict through the Holy Spirit, but he will not condemn because, because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Amplified in the Amplified, Romans 11, in the Amplified Bible, Romans 8, 1, could not get that out. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. So here's the truth. So this is something that we can attach our faith to. God doesn't deal with us in condemnation, guilt, and punishment, and all that comes with it when we are in Christ. And to be in Christ means that we would believe in Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. This is a clear truth point. This is something that we can attach our faith to. So if you're feeling condemned, guilty, ashamed, um, fearing punishment, you can attach your faith to this. You can bring this verse. You can speak it. You can meditate on it. You can pray on it. You can remind the devil that you are free from condemnation and that it's written right here in the word of God. This is, it's also illustrated when Jesus was speaking to the woman who was caught in the affair. And this happens in John 8, 1 through 11. I'm going to read that, these verses to you. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. 
As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but, the let, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with this woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So in this passage, we see that her behavior was exposed, that her accusers drug her to this crowd and tried to expose her and um, condemn her. But Jesus protected her and also exposed her accusers and those who wanted to condemn her um, for their sinful behavior as well. Then he asks her, where are your accusers? Did not one condemn you? No, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So there was no condemnation through Jesus, but there was a directive to do it no longer. And which approach do you think changed this woman? Surely it wasn't the accusers dragging her into the crowd, but it instead was this conversation with Jesus who didn't condemn her. You know, we don't hear anything else about her, but Jesus dealt with her in love. And, you know, I think that we can assume that she went forward and that she did change her behavior. Jesus could have condemned her because he is sinless. You know, he said, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. We know that Jesus was sinless here on this earth. He is sinless. Um, so he could have, but he didn't. Instead, he told her to go and sin no more. And so we know that Jesus deals with us through conviction and not condemnation. So another area, so we talked about, you know, the, the good fear of the Lord, bad fear. And I want to talk about some other, you know, what are considered common fears. I put that in quotes because we know that fear is, is not normal in the life of the believer. But one big one, and I think there's a lot of sub points under it is the fear about your own life or those that you love. I think that this is pretty common. And, you know, just in speaking with many people, I find that this is something that comes up and there are just a copious amount, copious amount of verses that address this. And we're obviously not going to go through them all today, but I want to hit a few main points. You know, what I think is interesting is that God recognizes that there's so many things that you could worry about, that there's so many things that you could be tempted to worry about. And so he addresses all of those things thoroughly in scripture. You know, as we think about the fear for your own life or those that you love, a great one is Psalm 91 in its entirety. We won't read it all, but it's a great one because it talks a lot about a lot of different areas of protection. And it's really called the prayer protection and it covers you morning, noon, and night. So again, we won't read the whole thing, but I want you to go read it. I will summarize it though. So in Psalm 91, we see that we don't have to be afraid of traps, diseases, even those that stalk in the darkness. So those that maybe um, you don't know about until you know. <laughs> Um, terrors of the night, arrows that fly by day, disaster. We don't have to fear even when others are dying around us, and we don't have to fear being conquered by evil. Instead, as we dwell in the shelter of the Most, most High, which really speaks to closeness, you know, how do you dwell in the shelter of, of God? 
you're close to him. If you're going to dwell, you got to be in Christ. But when we do that, we will find rest, a place of safety and refuge, rescue, shelter. We'll find that no evil will touch us. No plague will come near your home. You'll find protection everywhere that you go. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample the enemy, crush them under your feet. And when we call on the name of the Lord, he answers us. He rescues us. He honors us. And he rewards us with long life and salvation. This is something that you can put your faith to. You can put your faith to the whole of Psalm 91. If you are fearful about your life or those of your loves, uh, those of your loved ones, you can pray it. You can meditate on it. You can speak it, sing it, get it in your spirit. And as you do, this will become the truth in your life. You know, there's other areas as we think about, you know, fear over your own life or those of your loved ones. And that's the cares of your world of this world. You know, there's stuff that we feel like we need to be concerned about. There's stuff that we need to do and there's stuff that we want to go well. Matthew 6, 25 through 33 really talks about how we shouldn't worry about our lives. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I do want to read 30 through 33. Then you can go back and read the whole section. And I encourage you to do that. I'm going to read it out of the message because it really hit different in the message. So I want you to remember that we're talking about the cares of this world. So if this is something that you're concerned about or worried about, listen up. So it says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think that he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not to be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. That's really excellent. I feel like that provides just such a different picture. You know, I love the part where he says, uh, where the message says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. It's so important. Um, We know that God has provided to us and really that it's, you know, for us, seeking God first, we know that everything that we need will be met. So also along those lines, I think that there is a real temptation for people to worry about finances. You know, if they will have enough, if they have enough to provide for their family or enough to maybe go on a trip that they want to go on, you know, sometimes it's, do they have enough for food? The previous verse is also a good one for that as well. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. But I think that there's a lot of other verses where we see that God is our provider, even for our finances. One that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And this is something that you can attach your faith to. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So we see that God, he provides a seed and then the bread to eat. Um, he, he will provide even financially for you. And I know that that's sometimes not a well-accepted thought, but it's, it's clearly articulated in scripture that he will provide for us financially. 
Another area is, as we're still on this topic of, you know, maybe you're fearful about your own life or those of your loved ones is for your health and healing. I've talked about this before, but sozo, the word sozo is the word for salvation that's used. And it actually means more than just um, being saved and going to heaven, being saved from your sins. It also means healing and rescue, um, wholeness, and that's all included. One scripture that I think that I go back to time and time again, you know, if, if something crops up with my health or, you know, if there is a fear thought, I go back to Isaiah 53, 5, where it says he was, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. This clearly tells us that Jesus was beaten so we could be whole, nothing missing and nothing broken and whipped so we could be healed. He already bore sickness and disease for us. It's under the curse of the law, and we are no longer under that curse of the law because of Jesus. So this is a great verse that you can attach your faith to. Again, if you're fearful about your own health or those of your loved ones, you can release your faith as you meditate on the scripture and as you take it as the truth. And I think that's important is that we would take it as the truth, as the greater reality, no matter what we see. If you're seeing symptoms, if, you know, you have a doctor report that you would just continue to take this as the greater reality. And that doesn't mean you don't seek treatment, but it means that you can continue to, to stand on this verse and to grow your faith in this area and you'll see it come to pass. So I think another area is that, you know, I, there is a temptation to be concerned about what's going to happen in a certain situation. And, you know, I think this is just a really common one. We all want to know how something's going to turn out, right? And we all don't always want to wait. So Matthew 6, 25 through 33 is also a great point to attach your faith to for this one, especially the final verse, which says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So there's just no sense in worrying about what may be. God will help us deal with it and deal with anything hard when the time comes. And for us, you know, it's important that we would give our entire attention instead to what God's doing right now, presently. Verse 27 is also good, and we haven't talked about that one yet. There, It's another great point. It says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Well, isn't that the truth? Literally, worry cuts your life short. I think it's ironic that people spend so much time worrying about their lives and that's really what stresses them out chronically and cuts their life short in the long haul. It's really like being on a hamster wheel. You know, when I find myself in worry and catch myself, I feel like I'm on that hamster wheel going just nowhere fast, but getting really tired and really worn down. It's just not worth it. I also find it comforting to know that God has seen each of my days. Psalm 139.16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So God knows your end from the beginning. He knows exactly where you'll end up. And for our part, you know, we just need to stay locked in step for step with the Holy Spirit. We need to stay yoked to him, only going where he wants us to go. We won't always do this perfect, but it's certainly something we can practice and get better at by the power of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you that the Holy Spirit won't lead you into a fear thought? So if you find yourself there, just know that it's the enemy trying to get you off of faith, off of peace, off of rest, and into fear where he feels like he can work. 
What I'm trying to illustrate here with talking about all these specific areas of fear is that for every fear suggested by the enemy, there is a biblical truth. There is a greater reality than what we see with our eyes. You can't be in faith and in fear because they're in opposition. Faith and fear are two entirely different places, and we can't be two places at once. It's so important to seek the biblical truth and give your attention to that rather than the fear thought. So we talked about those multiple examples today. And, you know, as I close here, what I want to just encourage you to do is to pick up your mind and choose to put it on the truth. Make note of relevant verses that you want to meditate on. And that's that's where I wanted to start you today give you some relevant verses that you can meditate on. And if you don't really understand the process of meditation, um, well, I'm just going to tell you now. I'll tell you about it now. Meditation is so good and so beneficial. I'm not talking about meditation in a yoga sense. I'm talking about meditating on God's word. As I think about meditation, I think about chewing on the word. Chewing. And I'm, I think I've given this example before, but it reminds me of my grandpa <laughs> because You'd give him a piece of jerky and he would chew that thing. I don't even know for how long he'd be working on that thing for like 20 minutes. Um, and, you know, he always would take his time to chew. You'd be sitting at the dinner table and he'd he'd put his fork down and he'd fold his hands and he would really chew his bite. And, you know, for him, you know, he was just like, it's good for us to chew. You get all of the goodness out of that food, all of the goodness, every nutrient in it digests better. And that's what meditating on the word reminds me of. We're just trying to eke out all of that goodness. It's not that we're just repeating a verse in our mind, but that you're trying to bring out all of the goodness. So it's not just repeating it, but it's considering the deeper meaning of the verse. What does it mean for you personally? What do the verses around it say? What is God actually saying about it? And that's what gets it in your spirit is that that meditation. You roll it around in your brain. You write it down. You break it down. You read other versions. You speak it. You can sing it. And when we do that, there's great benefits. It fans the flame. It gets your attention on God's word. It increases your faith because you're continuing to hear it and hear it and hear it. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and you're hearing it over and over in your head and from your mouth and as you write it and as you meditate on it. Um, And as we do that, we begin to understand it and our faith increases in that area. So if you are fearful about anything, I just want to encourage you to um, see Jesus in your situation by meditating on relevant verses. You know, so if you're anxious about your health, you can choose to meditate on a verse about healing and you'll begin to see Jesus as your healer. If you're concerned about your finances, you can meditate on verses about financial provision and you'll begin to see Jesus as your provider. So before we go, um, just another note of encouragement. I want, I want you to know that overcoming fear is doable with the Holy Spirit. Jesus has already won the victory on our behalf. You don't have to live this way forever. You can move forward in confidence and in peace and in joy and in faith. I think it's really important to consider where your attention is in the coming weeks. Do you need to make this this practice of meditating on God's word and of seeking his truth for each fear that crops up? Um, Do you need to make it a consistent practice? I think that's something important to consider. You know, we can intentionally put our attention on the word of God and Sometimes I think that we need to be specific, meaning put your attention on the biblical truth that addresses where you are living in fear. So before we go, I want to pray. So close your eyes and bow your head. 
Lord, we love you. Thank you for your wonderful, transforming, truthful, inerrant word. We thank you, Father, that you forenew all the areas that would tempt us into fear and that you went before us and you provided the answers to us in advance. We declare victory over fear in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. If you haven't yet, I know I talk about it. Go follow me on social media. Check out my new website, www.thenewwaytolive.com. This is where you can stay up to date on the newest episodes and resources. You can link out to my social media from there. Also, there will be resources coming and you can follow this podcast also to make sure you don't miss an episode. And remember, there's a new way to live. Let's walk in it.